Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, we're going to get right into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible Word of the living God. The Bible is true. How many believe that? Yes. We've been talking this whole month about the remnant. The remnant is rising. That remnant is a remnant that is, that is defined by prayer, not just, not just praying little prayers, but by spending time with God, by praying spiritual warfare prayers at times, by moving in God. The remnant is defined by so many things. Today we're going to finish that uh, series, that theme this month with a message I call, Show Me the Way. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to begin, and then we're going to look at John chapter 14 as well. Matthew 7, 13, you glad you're here today? Yes. All right. The, Jesus said this, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many that go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Only a remnant find the narrow passage into the fullness of God. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The wrong road feels good for a time, doesn't it? The wrong road feels good to your flesh, but doesn't have a very happy ending. Finally, John 14, 2 from the message, Jesus said, there's plenty of room for you in my father's home. If that weren't so, I would have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you. And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. And you already know the road that I'm taking. Everybody say the road. You already know the road or the way that I'm taking. So then Thomas spoke up. He said, Master, we have no idea where you're going. How do you expect us to know the road? Jesus said, because I am the road. I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. My friends, when you're looking for a highway, Jesus is the highest way. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart? Holy Spirit, I can't bring forth this word like you gave it to me without you. I need your anointing. I need your presence to bring a shift in our hearts and minds. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation come today. Show us your way forward in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been calling this summer the summer of recovery. We're still in it. Going to continue with that into next week and our next uh, theme starting next Sunday. Don't miss it. It's a summer of recovery. We've all been through traumatic events the last year and a half. And the enemy would love to still torture you with more of the aftermath. But I'm telling you that our God in this post-pandemic, that's what I'm calling it, traumatized world, God is raising up a remnant of his people that are absolutely sold out to his purpose, given to prayer, and filled with the spirit of faith, positioned for the greatest revival in human history. That's what I believe. Back when I was a young man, one of my favorite albums, and you know, I know I'm speaking to 
a generation here that maybe wasn't born then. But one of the greatest, the, the, the biggest double album in history was an album called Frampton Comes Alive. And one of the great songs on it was a song called Show Me the Way. I want you, show me the way. And it was such a theme, it was an anthem for a generation that was lost and didn't know it. And where the heart's cry of some people in that time, they didn't know they were crying for God, but I found that way at 19 years of age that what I was actually singing about, what I was actually calling for because I was lost was to know Jesus in a real way. And I think God heard that as the cry and the prayer of my heart. One of the hardest things in life to some of us is sitting still doing nothing. For me, it's especially difficult not to travel. Last year and a half, in fact, this is probably one of the longest stretches of my adult life that I haven't gotten on an airplane and traveled anywhere because in the grace entrusted to me, travel equals freedom. Therefore, the last 17 months have been very frustrating at times. I feel, you know, my parents, uh, they, they did believe in spanking somewhat when I was a kid, but they also believed in something called restriction. And that worked on me probably better than the paddling. Because if you say you can't leave this house for a week or two weeks or a month, that was really a difficult thing for me, to sit still and be there and to feel stuck. Have you ever felt stuck, like you're trapped in a moment of indecision? Sometimes you're facing choices right in front of you. Many, maybe you're here today and you're, you're looking for the right road and there's two choices or several choices ahead of you. You don't know which way to go. But you know that one road is God's best and will get you where you're supposed to go, where God wants you to go. I've got good news for you today. If you're looking for the way, before the early church believers were called Christians, the Bible says, they were referred to in the book of Acts as the people of the way. People who knew the way. People who were on the way. People who were of the way. Six times in the book of Acts, they were called that, people of the way. Acts 19.23 is one of them. It says, about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. Jesus defined himself as the way, the truth, and the life. A way is a road, a route, a track, or a pathway. Remnant people find their way. Remnant people find the way because they find their way. Our way is Yahweh. We sing the song Waymaker here. But Jesus doesn't just make the way because he is the way. The way through this maze called life. Heard the story of a man who used to sit out in front of a church for years and years begging. As people were going to church, he'd be out there drunk and homeless and just totally oblivious to the world, just begging for change as people went into church. Well, the people at that church began to pray for him. After 20 years sitting out in front of that church, one day he gave his heart to Jesus and came into the church. And within a few weeks, the pastor stopped and 
talked to him and said, I'm so glad you came inside. We've been praying for you for years. How do you feel? And the man said this, I am so happy because at last I feel that I'm free. He said, life to me looked like a maze. And at last I found a way out through Jesus. I think that describes a lot of us, that life has so many twists and turns. And, you know, we talked to so many people that maybe you came up in the church, maybe you knew the Lord as a youngster. And that's awesome. But somehow, it's like sometimes people will describe and say, well, life happened. Life started closing in and I just lost my way. I lost sight of Jesus being first in my life and suddenly I was off track. The great leader of the Old Testament, Moses, had a life filled with many twists and turns as well. And he wrestled with God's call to be a deliverer to his people Israel. He didn't wrestle with knowing God. He wanted to know God. But once God revealed his plan for him, Moses started making all these excuses why he couldn't be the deliverer that God wanted him to be. He said, I can't speak in front of people. I get tongue-tied. I'm nervous. Nobody knows me. He said, uh, by the way, I have a sordid past. Remember, Moses actually murdered a man. He was a murderer. He was on the run for 40 years. He said, I'm not a natural-born leader. God's answer, just like when we talked about Gideon last week, God's answer, I will be with you. Or basically, he said, I am is with you. I am what? I'm the way. The way through the 10 plagues. The way through the Red Sea. The way when you're dehydrated in the desert, drinking from a rock. The rock is the way. My wife was telling somebody yesterday, I overheard a conversation. I thought she was talking about, had read my notes and knew my message or something. Because she said, she's talking about a meme she saw on social media this week. And I thought she was talking about the message. I said, what, what does it say? So I just wrote it down for you. This meme this week said, God didn't remove the Red Sea. He parted it. Sometimes God doesn't remove your problems. He makes a way through them. I think sometimes we're looking for this instantaneous quick fix. <clears throat> because God is a healer, we look for the instantaneous miracle. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't get your hopes on a time frame. The Bible says in Hebrews, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience. And I've said for years, if faith could control time, we wouldn't need patience. So faith and patience are opposite sides of the same coin. Just because you have faith doesn't mean it's going to be a fast fix. Anything good, anything God takes time. Even the miracle of life takes nine months. Nine months of process, <clears throat> nine months of waiting, nine months of I imagine uncomfortableness. Nine months of changes. Nine months of all kinds of things going on. But that baby will come. 
Some of you are birthing your destiny. Some of you are in the middle of birthing your future. You're at a crossroads. You're in a shift. Don't get frustrated because he still is the way. I love Galatians 5.1 that talks about freedom from God's word translation. It says this, Christ has freed us so that we may enjoy the benefits of freedom. Therefore, be firm in this freedom and don't become slaves again. You know, sometimes we incorrectly think that freedom means I can do whatever I want. Don't, don't, just, don't you think that when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, <clears throat> when I get to be 18, when I get to be 21, when I get to be whatever, I can do whatever I want. I remember telling my dad <clears throat> that that's what I was gonna do. I've told you this before, but the biggest thing, the battle during the Peter Frampton days was hair length. And it was a battle in our family. It was a big deal. When I told my dad, I'm not going to the barber shop anymore, I was about 12 or 13. And my dad didn't like that very much. So no, you're going to Millie's barber shop where he went and Millie always cut it too short. But this was the days when, you know, we were the Brady Bunch generation, the Partridge family generation started to get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of hair length. And so we had these situations. And so that battle continued on until I was 16. I kept telling my dad, you wait. When I'm 18, I'm going to grow my hair down to my feet. <clears throat> he, he said, sure you will. <laughs> yep, great. When you're 18, go ahead. Problem is when I was 16, I got a job. That job, my first job, was McDonald's. And McDonald's rule was, back in the 70s, you had to have your hair above your collar. And I sold out my dream of hair down to my feet for $2.10 an hour. Freedom doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to do. There are always responsibilities toward other people. Freedom is within parameters, isn't it? Freedom has boundaries. And either you can stay on track or you can go off the rails. St. Augustine wrote that God was the master. Quote, whom to serve is perfect freedom. Nicky Gumbel calls this a great paradox. In other words, when you're a slave to God, you're actually free in life. And it makes no sense to your brain I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a slave to God. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna become a, I'm gonna serve the Lord with all of my heart. But the promise is that in serving the Lord and giving up some stuff, you actually find that what you always wanted that is godly and whole and holy actually comes back to you anyway. So freedom isn't doing whatever you wanna do. Freedom is actually finding God's track and getting on it. There's a little story of Thomas the Train, the cartoon that pictures Thomas on his side having fallen off the train tracks. And he's shouting, I'm free, I'm free at last. I've fallen off the rails and I'm free. But it isn't true. The reality is that Thomas is actually far more free when his wheels are on the rails. And he's operating in line with how he's been created to function. It's the same with us, getting on track, staying on track. And I'm gonna challenge you today. 
Jesus is the track. He's the way. When you surrender to him, you're actually finding that great paradox working in your life. You lay down your life for him and you'll find it. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and you'll find an inheritance. You'll find a freedom. You'll find love. You'll find the things that you're looking for. Because true freedom comes from serving the Lord with gladness. You'll discover the way. Remnant people become sensitive to their attitude indicator. I read recently an article on flying, and it said this, on the instrument panel of every airplane, there's a device called the attitude indicator. It shows the pilot, even during bad weather, fog, or darkness where he can't see the ground, it shows him the aircraft's true orientation relative to the horizon. Are the wings level? Is the nose pitching up or down? Sometimes you can't trust your feelings as a pilot because you don't, you're, not, you're not feeling correctly, but those instruments, when you can trust them, you can stay in the right attitude. Zig Ziglar, one of my favorite motivational speakers back in the day, used to say it all the time, attitude determines altitude. Attitude determines altitude. Never look down to test the ground before taking your next step. For only he who keeps his eyes fixed on the far horizon will find the right road. We have to get to the place where we have our eye on the big picture, where we're trusting God. Attitude becomes everything. How do you make it through rough times? How do you get through those rough moments, those rough patches, those challenges, those moments where you don't know what else to do? You trust him. You put your hand into his hand. You believe his word. You ask him to get you back on track. Guard your attitude. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flows the issues of life. And the word there is the borders and boundaries of your life. Out of your heart, out of your core, out of your innermost being flows the whole direction of your life. Everything else comes out of that attitude of your heart. At every point of decision, consider the end. That's one thing that's so hard, isn't it? When you are a young person, to actually consider the consequences of an action. But for every road you go down, there's an end. And it could be a dead end, or if it's in God, it could be a gateway to the next season and the next and the next. At every point, consider the end. What might the finish line look like? Here's the thing. We all have a conscience. We all know if we're getting off track. <clears throat> now, I know... I don't know why I keep thinking of these things, but uh, I know I sound like I'm 100 years old today. But, but, the, but the thing is, there are, there are, back in the day in school, they used to show us these Disney movies, and they always had a preliminary thing with Jiminy Cricket. Anybody know Jiminy Cricket? And it was all about the conscience. It was all about, and they'd sing a song, I'm no fool, no siree, I'm going to live to be... 33, which sounded like really old back then. 33, oh my gosh, 33. Because I'm no fool, Jiminy Cricket would sing. You know, we all have a conscience. 
Even lost people, the Bible says, have a conscience where internally they have a gyroscope that lets them know if they're on the way, on the right path, or if they're starting to get off track and get on the wrong path. We all have that conscience. But what does the Bible say? The word says this, that when you get to the place where you override your conscience, where you reject it and put it to the side, say, I'm gonna do this anyway. The Bible says you now sear the nerve endings of your conscience with a hot iron. You like, you like burn the nerve endings off so the next time you can't feel it as well. I wanna challenge you today. Be responsive to God because then every time you respond to the Holy Spirit, every single time you respond to the Holy Spirit, your nerve endings of your heart will get more sensitive. But every time you push him away, every time you push him down, every time you ignore that still small voice, once you get saved, your conscience connects with your spirit man, your inner man comes awake and comes alive. And in those moments where your spirit man is awake and alive, you, you have all this that starts to, you, you start to sensi be sensitive to God. You know, the whole stuff going on in the world today is designed, I'm convinced, to desensitize us, to, to, to sear off those nerve endings and keep us just pushing God away. But if we'll lean into God, we'll feel more. We'll feel more. Part of my prayer this week, just privately, I didn't plan to share this, but <clears throat> God started dealing with me just on my heart for lost people. It's so easy to say, well, yeah, we pray, for the, we pray for people to get saved and we lead people to the Lord. We believe for people to get saved. We believe for lives to be changed. We believe for people to be impacted. And all that's true. But it can also be true that you actually become desensitized to what's going on in the world. And I don't mean what's going on in the news. I mean what's going on in people's lives and people's hearts and people's minds. And I, part of my prayer time this week privately was just... God, show me your heart. Let me have a glimpse of your heart for lost people. The problem is when he starts doing that, you almost can't take it because it begins to work inside of you. I want to challenge you this week to pray that prayer. Father, make me sensitive. Make us sensitive in our hearts to those who don't know you yet or those who have lost track gotten off the path and wandered away. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Decisions have consequences, don't they? Proverbs 14, 12 said this way, <clears throat> there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right. Oh yeah, that's good. It's all good. It's okay. Man, I'm just, I'm so, I'm tired of okay. I want to be in God's perfect will. I want to be in the center, right where God wants me to be. I want to be confident that my steps are ordered of Him. I want to be confident that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, that we're on that track, that we're, that we're, our hearts are open to Him. That's what the remnant is like to me. Finally, this. Remnant people don't waste time being upset about the past. 
You know, we can lose so much energy, so much ground dwelling on other people's failures, but especially dwelling on our own failures. And I feel like a lot of people right now <clears throat> are beating themselves up, beating themselves up for stuff that they've messed up, stuff that they did, stuff they didn't do. Isaiah 43, this is a great reminder, verse 18, where the word says, do not remember the former things, nor even consider the things of old. God says, behold, I will do a new thing. How many want a new thing? You gotta let the past go. You gotta let the past go. You gotta you forget the failures. And sometimes you gotta forget the successes too. Some people living in the glory days, you know, I, um, we have friends from school, our classmates. We pray for our classmates. A lot of them are still living for the weekend just like they were years ago. And you see it on social media. They go, oh my goodness, what is... And I think about if your best moment of your life and you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, or 60s, and the best moment of your life was catching a touchdown pass when you were 17, you need to get a life. If you're living in the glory days of an era gone by, what's going on with you now? You can, that cannot be on track. That cannot be the way. That cannot be God's best. Don't consider the former things, the things of old. Behold, God says, I will do a new thing now. It shall spring forth. It's gonna jump out at you. Shall you not know or recognize it? I will even make a way, a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God has made a way for you. Right now, you may be in a pinch. You may be, the old saying, between a rock and a hard place. You may be in a moment where you feel there are no good decisions. I'm stuck. I want you to know there is a way out. And his name is Jesus. And though you can't see the end, you don't know what's going on, I'm telling you, if you will trust in him and seek him, my friend, he is the way. He doesn't just have the way. He doesn't just hold the way. He is your way. He is your key. Quit wasting time beating yourself up. Help us, Lord. Find your way. Finally this, I found this, it's not really a poem, but it's a, it's a prose by Charles Swindoll. Chuck Swindoll is a great pastor, great church planter. And he wrote this thing called Attitude. And I, I just want to read it to you and I'll finish with that. He said this, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past. Attitude is more important than education, than money, than circumstances. It's more important than failures, than successes, than what other people think of me or say or do. 
It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. We can rely on the one thing we have, our attitude. He said, I'm convinced that life is only 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. My friends, the way of Jesus is always forward. Even if it looks like a backward step sometimes, it's simply God realigning you. It's like a chiropractic adjustment to your life. If you're having to take a backward step, it's always for the purpose in Christ of taking you forward. Let him adjust you. Fall on the rock. Cry out in repentance. Quit trying to be the master of your own life. Instead, surrender to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Would you come and move in this moment? Would you cause people in this room and people connecting with us online to find that way, your way. Holy Spirit, would you move? Holy Spirit, would you help us as we lean in toward you? I want to ask you today, if you're here or you're listening, are you facing tough decisions in your life? Facing hard choices? It's okay. It's all right. God will meet you right where you are. Don't freak out. Don't run off at the mouth with darkness and doomsday destruction talk. Trust in the Lord, the Bible says, with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path because he is that path. If you're here today and you've gotten off track, this is the moment to say, God, I've messed up. I've blown it. Doesn't have to be some formal, thou great God kind of prayer. It has to be sincere, for real. God, I'm off track, and I want to get on track with you. I've gotten off the rails, and I want to be back on with you. You are the way. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Change me. Help me to quit beating myself up. That's for somebody today. That's for somebody. Quit beating yourself up. Quit lamenting over stuff you can't change or fix by yourself because you're, 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 you're spiraling now. You're spiraling. You're, you're just going down 
And the one who loves you more than you love yourself is simply waiting for you to look up and cry out for help. If you're here today, let's be honest about it. It's an act of surrender. If you're here or you're in your home right now, I want you to do something. Sometimes it takes that faith, prophetic gesture to do something by faith. That prophetic gesture. In a moment, I'm gonna count to three and I just want you to consider where you are. And if you're off track, you say, I wanna get back on with God. I just want you to lift your hand up. We're gonna pray for you. One, two, three. Just put your hand up if that's you. Don't have to think about it. Don't overthink it. Don't try to process it. Hands are going up. That's all that matters. Right now, Father, you see every hand that's raised. You see every heart that is open. And in the name of Jesus, we release that lifeline to you right now. We speak life over you. We break the spirit of death and destruction, everything that's kept you spiraling downward, and we extend to you that lifeline. We extend to you our hand, God's hand of mercy, his hand of strength, his hand of love. The past is gone. There's nothing you can do about it except right now, you have right now to ask God to bring that adjustment in your life, in your attitude, in your heart. Lord, don't let the people with hands raised in their homes or in this room waste one more second on regret. In Jesus' name. Everybody pray this with me out loud. Whether your hand is raised or not, just say this out loud. Just say, Jesus, I want to live fully for you. Cleanse me. Wash me. You are the way. You're the truth. And you're the life. Help me to get back on track. To live fully in your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you meant that, you ought to put your hands together and bless his name. Because his mercy is new. It's fresh. Lord, we thank you for lives. Back on track. Clean. Amen. Amen. Listen, after church, if you need some prayer, Pastor Chris, Pastor Lindsay, myself, Pastor Tristan, Pastor Gail, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you. We're always around after church. Sometimes you might have to wait a minute or two, but just know that we love you. We're for you. God wants to heal you this summer. He wants to heal you, not just physically, but in every way. He wants to, to heal you, to touch your life, And Jesus clearly is the way. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.